seven years old. Seven and a half. So um, in this picture, it, it looks like Anne is the Hulk. I think they're just battling crime. It'll be like there might be some bandits, some robbers, and they were fighting the robbers. I think her super strength is her muscles. That looks like what my family's picture would look like. Picture is very blurry. A man walks out to the street for absolutely no reason and does a funny dance in front of the camera. She might have been trying walking somewhere. Something embarrassing. They bought some really old pennies. Either Jared's like super buff or the fish is really small. <laughs> Jared is reading a Bible story and there's a raft in the background. It's not a bow, it's a floaty. The skit is about showing off her dance moves. They're decent. Are you wearing glasses? Yeah. Are they both wearing glasses? These people look funny in the picture. They actually look kind of cute. They look like they're in high school for like the first day of prom. 1975. I think they're taking a picture. That is so cute. Like it's an egg inside of a hot cross bun. Then everybody lived happily ever after to be continued. The end. How fun was that with those amazing kids? And some of you I know are in the room over here. Thank you for contributing to that video. Well, good morning, Evergreen. That was a little bit better than the 915 service, but I think we can still do better. So I'm going to go, good morning, Evergreen. Good morning. All right, fantastic. Well, uh, my name is Jordan, and I have a confession. I am a pastor's kid. Uh, I'm a PK, and I just so happen to be Jared and Ann's son, which is why I get to hang out up here today, I guess. They don't usually, as my dad would say, they don't usually let me out up here very often. But uh, that's because I'm usually hanging out down the hallway here with our amazing eKids team and some of these amazing students. That's right. Give it up for them. Some of those kids you saw in the video and many others. Um, and I usually am hanging out with the preteens. That's the fifth and sixth graders, for those of you that aren't in the know with that generation. Uh, and they are an amazing group of kids. And they are usually um, reminding me of my odd clothing choices, my lame dad jokes. Uh, they're also helping inform me on uh, just how much I have to learn about the latest apps and slime recipes and video game trends. So for me, this is going to be a breeze today. I want to let you know, this is like the most relaxed speaking I have done in, in weeks. Um, but uh, what I want to talk about today is the fact that many people have asked me over the years uh, what it's like to be a pastor's kid, and maybe even in particular, Jared and Ann's pastor's kid. So it's interesting for sure. It's a bit messy at times, but it's full of beautiful moments. And that is how I would sum it up, is a messy, beautiful adventure. And I have created a travel log for you all to bring you into the know over the last 45 plus years of their ministry, most of which I have been a part of, or been around for. And I've gathered some very good pastor's kid intel, I want you to know. <laughs> I've got the good stuff. And I get to share it with you. So come along with me on this journey as I present to you some excerpts from the diary of a retiring pastor's kid. <laughs> Entry one. Let's get this party started. 1955. It was a good year. It really was. I wasn't around for it, but I hear it's, it was good. My parents were both born. Uh, my dad to a hardworking veneer, uh, veneer factory working father and an evangelist mother. My mom to a police officer and a nurse. And, you know, as my grandma, the nurse, who's sitting up here today, uh, would tell you, and as I would come to later find out when I delivered my first baby in medical school, giving birth is messy. It's a messy ordeal. But it's a fresh beginning, beautiful in its promise of what's to come. So this, this season of life for them, summed up, is growing up is an adventure. 
Entry two, prepare for launch. This is their childhood season. So a Mennonite farm boy and an industrious girl from a big family. These are the years of their early faith formation. For mom, that was a faith modeled by a steadfast mother and a church and uh, church youth leaders and an older brother who discovered Jesus in his youth. And for my dad, it was modeled at home with his family. The invitation came next. That wonderful once-in-a-lifetime decision, the best decision of your life, as my mom would say, to find and follow Jesus, to say yes to Jesus. That happened for dad at age five, for my mom at age 10. And, you know, they each learned about loss as young kids from a young age, but that was balanced with this really beautiful um, childhood that inspired a sense of wonder, of curiosity, and a sense of independence. Now, losing, a, losing an older brother to congenital heart disease when you're, an only, when you're only a kid is devastatingly messy, and you can ask my dad about that. Living in five different cities, 11 different apartments or homes in your first seven years of life is a bit messy. You can ask my mom about that. But it was a time of learning and growing, and their childlike faith took root during that season, and that was just a hint of the beautiful things to come. Season summary for this one, blast off. Here we go. Are you ready for more? All right, you're still with me. Okay, good. All right, entry number three is adolescence. Oh, this is going to be good, right? This is like the good stuff. The wonder years, I call this. So you all know this show, or maybe, hopefully you've seen it at least before. I know they remade it, but it, The Wonder Years with Kevin Arnold and Winnie Cooper. And uh, I always thought when we first saw that show, I remember thinking, did somebody like the Hollywood writers come and and base this off of my parents' story somehow. Like, it was what I pictured them, how I pictured them meeting. They met in the eighth grade, and a friendship begins. So they were Jerry and Annie. And they served on student government together um, in high school. He was the class president, and she was his first vice president. Isn't that just so cute? They graduated high school with honors and college scholarships awarded, and uh, then they were off. And, you know, she was headed to nursing school, and he was headed to U of O to study business. And how many of you know, leaving home is a little bit messy, but, oh, that independence is a beautiful thing, right, uh, at that age. Now, recap of this season, oh, the places you will go next. How about Eugene? So entry number four, a love story begins this was a love for each other. Uh, this was, everybody, just right now, I, have to, I didn't do this in the first service, but if they have, we don't have that wedding photo up that the kids were seeing in the video, but if you would just all look to one side in a like, very pensive glance for me, I just want to see, no. Uh, so yes, that was, uh, that was my favorite wedding photo of them. No, so the love story begins. Uh, this is a love of uh, also a shared calling. They're, they're calling into ministry. And it was also about their love of learning, which should be a, a lifelong commitment. Uh, this meant, at that time, actually deferring their educational goals, putting college on hold, and finding beauty in the surrender of diving into God's calling on their life, which was to become pastors and church planters. The learning would never stop. It was just being redirected in that season. So they received their ministry training, their pastoral training, at this place called the House of His Presence. Sounds pretty cool. Uh, but this was, for all intents and purposes, this was like a commune in the 1970s for pastors in training in Eugene, okay? So I, want you to, I picture like a lot, of, a lot of flower headbands and tie-dye and pastors grooving out to some Jesus music. Uh, I'm sure it was awesome, but they were well-trained. Anyway, sharing bathrooms in a college dorm is messy. Uh, but you know what, how they would respond to that is by saying, Let's start off this adventure in this season of our life by getting married. So they got engaged. And you know what? At their wedding, they said, who needs wedding cake when you can have Dunkin' Donuts at your wedding reception? So that's fantastic. Now, the recap of this season is, I love you. You're perfect. Now change. <laughs> Entry number five, home sweet home. So church planting begins. They were the original church planters, the pioneering and launching off from their church that they had been trained at in Eugene, off to, back to Sweet Home, Oregon, their hometown, to start Cornerstone Fellowship. They were also at this time launching their kind of bivocational ministry. So they were managing a set of luxurious apartments in downtown Sweet Home. I want you to know, and there's some people here that can attest to this, that there were some very fine, upstanding citizens living in those apartments. <laughs> So they got, their, got some experience as landlords as well. 
But they were also at this time, some of you might not know, is that they were actually pastoring two churches at the same time, one in Sweet Home, one in Lebanon, Oregon. And for, who does that? Who actually does that? Well, I'll tell you who does that. The same people who have two kids in two years while pastoring two churches. So that's how that worked out. So in 1982, I was born. My sister was born 18 months later in 1984, and we were off on a family adventure at that point. Pastoring in your hometown is a little bit messy. Pastoring two churches simultaneously in two different towns is messy and a little bit complicated. Their response, let's keep doing this. <laughs> Pastoring was never meant to stay inside the walls of the church. They launched into bivocational ministry and never looked back. Chapter summary, take your next best step. Entry six, sticky faith. So this was a time of wonderful pastoring and leading. They were a part of two different churches in Eugene, uh, Faith Center, Eugene Faith Center and North Eugene, Northwest Faith Center. And this was a time when they were centered on their faith and raising us as kids, um, helping us to cultivate an amazing faith of our own. Uh, they were early risers. They always have been, as far as I know them. Um, and I can remember coming out to the couch and seeing Dad reading his Bible, seeing Mom in the wee, wee hours of the morning, uh, doing her journaling. And that was a sight that would be familiar, but never forgettable. Never forgettable. Uh, their faith always seemed to have this really cool momentum. It was always about progress. It was always about growth, about taking that next, that next step. And this was also a season that they would launch off in their own growth and travel the world. They got a chance to go to Brazil and to, uh, to Kenya and to Nigeria to meet with churches and church leaders there and experience the church as they'd never seen it before. This was also a season of leadership growth for them. Uh, they grew as pastors through some pretty sticky situations in the local church that they had inherited from prior leaders. And they also um, came to recognize and be much loved by their faith community, embraced as pastors, and inspired by their calling even further as a result. So how many of you know church can be a little bit messy, right? I see some hands out there, you honest people. Uh, but people are beautifully complicated, and they would say, let's not let that stop us from loving God and loving others generously. So summing it up, know, grow, give, go. And my dad is snickering because I stole that from him. That's from like, you know, how many times have I heard that in a sermon, Dad? Come on. Uh, no. Entry number seven, a road less traveled. So this was uh, my childhood years and into, into early high school. We moved to Bend, Oregon. This was a new assignment for them, uh, serving the Foursquare denomination regionally in church multiplication. And uh, my mom served as a kids pastor at the local church, Westside Church in Bend, and also as a camp director for summer camps at Camp Crestview. If you have any Camp Crestview graduates out there, give a shout out. So we, we yes, absolutely. Uh, it was a very, very fun season. And I remember, you know, if you're, if you, if you, as a pastor's kid, the church life kind of spills in, it spills over into your family life. And so I remember my dad at the district office, they had this conference room. We'd go hang out on there because it had a candy bin uh, and we would raid that. But on the one of the walls, there was a huge map. And on that map was the Western states of the U.S. And there was in each city that had a four square church, there was a, like a pin or a dot. And uh, my dad had, the parents came to us with this idea. They're like, hey, kids, we're going to go on a road trip. This sounds fantastic. Sign me up. And they were gonna, we're going to go over the next three weeks. We're going we're to, that was actually his 40th birthday, but I, could, I, had, to, I had to get it out there. Um, we're going to go on a road trip, and we're going to visit seven states in 24 days, and we're going to visit all these church pastors, and we're going to see some wonderful sights. But each stop along the way in each city, we visited these towns, and we visited the church pastors, and my parents would always ask them, what's your story? What's your story? And we heard some crazy stories, <laughs> some of which I don't think they wanted us to hear. Uh, but it was really, it was really fun. Um, but this was also a season of making kids a priority in church. And I don't know if you've noticed around here, that has spilled over here, too. This is a constant theme. Um, my mom was known for at Camp Crestview about saying, camp is for the camper. And um, that amazing kids need amazing experiences to shape their faith. And it takes amazing leaders to champion them. 
we had some next level fun at Camp Crestview, and Kim, our fearless children's pastor, was a part of that. I think we have a, a picture coming soon. We had jello jousting pits. We had 52-ounce burrito eating contests. We had nacho nights. We even had one, one camp, kids camp. There was a helicopter that landed on the sports field, and this guy rappels down carrying a box with, I don't know what, maybe it had a Bible in it or something like that, but it was just like the coolest <laughs> delivery of the word. Um, and it was, it was incre an incredible season. Now, cleaning up after a week of summer camp is messy. Doing it for 11 straight weeks for three straight summers with your family living at the camp is exhausting. But witnessing hundreds of kids, <clears throat> I knew this one was going to get me this time. Um, when you see hundreds of kids and youth dedicating their lives to Jesus, summer after summer after summer, um, it'll change your life. That is a beautiful thing. That is a beautiful thing. <clears throat> All right, let's, let's get this party going again here. Okay, right, I got to get control myself. All right, season recap. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey, one of my mom's favorite taglines. All right, entry eight, changing lanes. This was a different, a different season, but a beautiful one too. After those roles at the district level for Foursquare, my parents were uh, uh, tapped and asked to be uh, a part of a higher level leadership role um, and that included a move to Los Angeles, California from Bend, Oregon. And uh, this was another new assignment. This was a time leading leaders as a dynamic duo. It was pretty remarkable. And they were involved in national and international church multiplication at just an incredible scale. And they, they got out. If you've ever walked behind my mom before, you know that she goes at a fast pace. <laughs> fast And this was, this church multiplication was happened at an amazing pace. And you know, we moved between my sophomore and my junior years of high school, and our lives were turned completely upside down. We moved to Los Angeles. We didn't know anybody. Um, it was a really challenging time to do that, but it was nothing that a swimming pool in your backyard and a season pass at Disneyland and Six Flags Magic Mountain could not fix. <laughs> so for all of you parents of teenagers that you need to get them to do hard things, you can, you can bribe them. They are bribable, Okay. <laughs> I don't know if that's scriptural or not. Um, okay. <laughs> so this was also a time of zany fun, not only at those places, but also my mom was known for hitting golf balls off of the roof of the Foursquare headquarters in Echo Park off of the high-rise building. Uh, they had a lot of fun, too. But this was a season in that same vein that I would define them as a bit countercultural, a uh, bit countercultural uh, for all the right reasons. They were focusing on multiplying churches instead of investing in just kind of shepherding and caring for pastors at the local church level. And they were, they were passionate about empowering young leaders and starting churches like crazy. And they literally called these gatherings of church planters boot camps, church planting boot camps. So, I mean, that makes you want to sign up for it, right? Like, yeah, sign me up for that boot camp. Um, but they were, you know, if you have ever, uh, you know, kind of been countercultural, you know that it can frustrate the establishment. And those that cling to culture of the past are, feel challenged. And leadership is messy. But unlike any other time in their lives, their assignment at this, at this time, in this end of the season, was shifted seemingly without their input, and their role kind of just evaporated in front of them. And their response was pretty remarkable. It was, let's start a new adventure, and we'll love our kids well, but we're going to leave them in Los Angeles. <laughs> and as we start our empty nest season in a familiar place. They did get us an apartment. It's okay. We were not, we were, we're doing okay. Um, so so the, the season recap here is it was a rocky road, rocky road. But why cry over spilt milk when you can use the rest of the milk to make ice cream, right? One of their favorite treats. So entry nine, coming home. My parents sent me this photo of them standing out in front of their house in Northridge, California, with a giant sign that read "Sold," and it was time to come home from time to go home uh, back to Oregon uh, from Southern California. On their way up the freeway, they spotted a sign on the side of a Roths grocery store in Salem, off of I-5, and it read, "Roths, Oregon is home." It felt fitting. They launched a fresh and fun season uh, with their new home in Arenco Station. 
and they were pastoring and evangelizing. Their pastoring and evangelizing really never stopped in this season. It just took on a different flavor. It just looked a little bit different in their neighborhood, in church and community events. There's also a season when lifelong learning struck again. Dad chased his doctorate at Pepperdine University. My mom returned to finish her college career, earning a degree at George Fox University. And this was also, yeah, we got some alumni in the house. All right. Um, this was also a new season for our family, as I found the love of my life at UCLA and during college. And after five years, uh, we got engaged in my parents' living room uh, here in Aranco Station at their house. And with both my sister and I now married um, to these wonderful, incredible spouses that we had met in Southern California, I'm fairly certain, I've never asked them, but I'm fairly certain that my parents began to wonder if the entire season in Los Angeles had really simply been orchestrated just for us to find our soulmates. <laughs> but uh, it was a special season. And our family was changing in beautiful and expanding ways. And their lives were setting down some deeper and deeper roots here in Hillsborough. And they recognized that this fresh season was one of transformation that had been brought with it. So the season summary here is, I love you, you're perfect, we've changed. <laughs> then came that moment that so many faith heroes in the Bible experienced from Moses to Samuel to Peter, when God taps you on the shoulder and he whispers to your heart and calls you into your next best step. A return to pastoring right here in Hillsboro. And the rest of the story is fairly familiar to many of you. The fi final entry, but wait, there's more. When people ask about what it's like to be a pastor's kid, I've given a lot of responses over the years. And now I think I'd say it's a messy, beautiful adventure. I've watched them flourish. I've seen them go through valleys of disappointment and climb mountains of challenges to grow. And they are adventurers through and through. I love that life does not have to be so neat and so tidy for us to recognize the amazingness of God's masterpiece. It's part of my parents' story. It's part of our story and your, my story, your story. And it's part of our evergreen story too. As I sign off as a retiring pastor's kid before you all today, <laughs> I'd like you to take a look at this video that highlights some of our evergreen friends as they share how their lives have been impacted by my parents and this faith community over the past 13 years. Yeah, I think before Ann and Jerry, it, would be, it had been a tough time. I think we'd seen an exodus from Evergreen. There were a lot of people going other places, other churches. We've gone through seasons where we were um, growing rapidly when we first started here, and then a pruning time. And so I think that the anticipation for what God is going to bring to the church was definitely there, but there was still um, a wounding. I remember it feeling really personal. Their Evergreen culture was very focused on families, and so I knew as a student, someone who came from outside of Evergreen and was invited by a friend in, in middle school, that kids and students were a priority. I came to be at Evergreen because I was referred by a friend and our six-year-old had questions about God that we didn't really know how to answer. So he had asked my husband, is there a school for God? And he goes, actually, yes, it's called church. And so it was because of our six-year-old that we came here. On that, we were challenged by Larry Spousta to um, prepare for the gift that God wants to give us. And um, That's right. We were waiting and praying, and one of the words the Lord did give us was how we treated our current pastor on the way out was going to be reciprocal with who he gave us. And I think uh, the Lord really did give us a gift with Ann and Jared. I feel like Ann saw me in the midst of a crowd of really incredible people at Evergreen, in the midst of so many gifted people and hundreds of students, she saw me. And she saw me for who I was, a young person who um, was just getting to know Jesus, but I was struggling a lot. We felt disconnected. And I feel like when Henry asked about God, it solidified that this was what was missing in our lives. And for me personally, I didn't realize the void that I had, not having God active in my life and me not being able to serve him 
and serve others. Now I can't imagine not having anyone that I've met here at Evergreen in my life. I feel like the church community um, was kind of on a wait and see attitude at first. You know, I wanted to really see who they were. Um, but once they saw Jordan's intentionality, seeing um, their um, their hearts, yeah, they were they were committed into building that community and not afraid to roll up their sleeves and just get in and, and get dirty. Um, I think after a year, we saw great growth and in, in, um, people um, starting to trust again and um, starting to um, copy what they were seeing in leadership. And that was being more of a community. We started building a community after that first year. And so I had this experience that has marked my life. But what's really neat is I can look around and I had peers that had an experience that for them felt just as special um, and unique. And I believe that they felt the way that I did too. As Ann and Jared invested in the community and in me, um, Evergreen became a more sticky community. We became more connected, more invested in each other's lives, and honestly, just more real. It seems like everyone knows everyone. It's kind of like that, you know, old bar show, cheers. You walk in and everyone knows your name. They seem to know who you are, and everyone seems really genuine. It was kind of like the launching pad for relationships, you know, just where they weren't relying on the leadership to, to do everything. They started becoming that leadership certain past three people. I know that I felt like I saw myself differently and couldn't imagine how beautiful my future would be. I always had the sense we were going forward and of course we we're always doing it as best we could with the Lord. For the last 13 years, Jared and Ann, you have served this community well. And for 12 and a half, I've had a backstage pass as the kids' pastor. You have made kids and youth a priority. We have seen children come to know Jesus and grow in him. And I just want to say thank you because as with having this backstage pass, I got to see up close and personal who you are and how to lead. We were staying overnight in a hotel room and I woke up in the middle of the night and I heard Anne whispering a prayer over a neighbor who had been really, really rough on her. And I remember laying there and just thinking, this is a holy moment. This is how leaders live. And getting to celebrate, I, this is one thing I love about Evergreen. We celebrate every chance we get. There is a lot of dancing that goes on around here. And it will continue, I want you all to know, <laughs> through me. Uh, and Jared, just your love of learning and your, uh, your ability just to, to bring calm and peace and order in every situation. And I just want to say thank you personally from me, but from all of us, for setting this church up for the next season, because you have done it well. We want to say thank you. So you're going to need to get out your thunder sticks because we are going to cheer Jared and Ann up on stage one last time as our lead pastors to share. Give it up for Jared and Ann! Uh, I want to say thank you. First of all, I have a lot of family here this service. My brother Joe is here who's had such a big part in my growth as a leader and giving me somebody at an early age that I could look up to um, spiritually. And so I want to say and acknowledge that. And Lena, his wife, who's a wonderful example alongside of him. And uh, Jordan and Lauren, um, thank you both uh, for your part in preparing for this. But Jordan, thank you um, for spending the time to do the travelogue. Uh, you know, that means more. We, we always say, what does it profit a person to gain the whole world and lose your own family? You know, your family is so important. So we want to make sure we acknowledge you. And my sister Mary is here and her husband Larry. And, of course, the national treasure is right over here on the corner, my mom. So um, thank you so much, all of you. And thank and you I, for your thanks. And I want to get in on this part, too. Yes. Uh, my sisters, yes. Joyce and Judy, are here. And there's nieces and nephews and grands and beyond. Yeah. Thank you, family. Yes, yeah. Thank you so much. So 
I just have to say a couple things about what Jordan was sharing. One is that they were wiffle golf balls <laughs> that we hit off the belly. <laughs> and we made it all good because we also played four square with a ball, you know, on the four squares. The symbols are on the roof, friends. Yeah, we did get kicked off and out that day. Um, but I was celebrating my assistant who was moving on to his next assignment. What can I say? That's the way you party. Um, so I want to say thank you today uh, to you, Evergreen. And what came to mind is 1 Thessalonians 1.3. Paul's writing to the church at Thessalonians. It says, we remember before our God and Father your work that was produced by faith, your labor that was prompted by love, and your endurance that was inspired by hope. And so I just want to spell out three big ways. I know we've been saying thanks a lot, but I want to spell out three big ways that I want to thank you today. The first is this. Thank you for your work produced by your faith. And what work am I referring to? The work of sending. The work of sending. You have been an Antioch church. Um, and that was a church where leaders were sent out and they'd return back boomerang, as we like to call it, and tell what God had done through them, in them, and through others um, as they went out. And it, we had said from the beginning that we were going to be in Antioch Church, and you have done this work so well. And I want to mention, just a couple months into our being here, we brought A.J. Soboda and his 11 team members, um, who we had been coaching in his church planning adventure in Hawthorne. They hadn't launched yet or anything, but they were getting ready to launch. So we brought them on stage three months in. We prayed for them, and that night took a one-time offering, $11,000 was given to help with their church plan. And that was such a cool thing. That's work. There is effort involved in sending and a whole array of work, and we appreciate that. And then Lori Dickerson was here last service. I don't know if she is this service, um, but we sent her to Uganda just a few months after that. And um, we were her, um, her monthly, kind of her startup costs. So it wasn't just a sending, but we sent her with funds um, to cover her first year, and it ended up extending to other years. Um, and, of course, have supported her throughout her adventure in Uganda. But um, sent her, and she started two churches, an orphanage, and a school. Has started a bakery, started some other micro-businesses on the other side of Uganda. But this bakery is going full force and is um, discipling native Ugandans. That's the reward of sending, is the people that God reaches. As she's raised up pastors for the church that she's going to hand off to, they got saved right there, worked in the bakery, and now they're taking over as the leadership team. Isaac and Donya Hovitt, and Isaac's right over here. Um, so uh, thrilled to have them. And, you know, their kids, Jenna, Owen, and Ava Grace, who was conceived at a pastoral team meeting. Uh, yeah. Re re retreat. <laughs> retreat. <laughs> oh, that's my, that won't be the only faux pas. <laughs> So, no, it was a retreat at the beach, and we call that the fertility room. Okay. Kevin and Emily Hughes <laughs> and, <laughs> and Jackson and Macy, their kids. They're <laughs> yeah, we have the greatest team meetings in the world. <laughs> oh, this is why you do it twice. <laughs> so... The Hughes would have loved to have been with us, but they're saying goodbye to their church and heading to San Antonio, Texas, where they're taking a position in a church with Ryan Coffey there. A great um, transition for them. So they sent us a text this morning. And then um, shortly after they left, we sent Sabrina, who's now Sabrina Egley and is at uh, Camby, but we sent her out as a kid's pastor for them in Corvallis. And I want to acknowledge this and another one in just a few minutes because if we're going to send people, we have to raise up more than just the pastoral point person. You have to raise up the kid's pastors. You have, need to raise worship pastors, all of that. And, and that's the work. That's the work of sending, and that is what you have been so amazing at, Evergreen. And then that brings us to James and Ashley Gerber. They had three girls at the time, but now they're, he's the uh, dad of five daughters, right? So he's continuing on. We sent him to Spokane. Now he's in Salem with Isaac. 
um, serving on the pastoral team there, so that's really cool. And then Alex and Fallon Lessler, who were here last service, um, that we sent to B4. God sent them to us for a, a little over a year, and we got to be a place of healing for them after a rough piece in their journey before they came to us. And don't you want to be that kind of church that can do that for people and, then, and be willing to give them away? And then Grant and Marta Crichton, who texted us this morning, almost as early as I did you. And um, they are in Weymouth, Canada. We send them to Walla Walla to plant a church, but they're now pastoring in Weymouth, Canada. Um, and uh, kudos to you, Evergreen, for them. And then Rick and Elizabeth Sawchuk and um, their kids went to Battleground Foursquare. And, um, of course, we stay in touch. And Elizabeth was at our last service. And then a few months after they went out, we sent Tess and Daniel Dresser as kids pastor for BG4, another leader raised up under E-Kids here, um, and, and Kim's and her team's leadership. So that's just so cool. And then Brad and Audrey Pace right down here on the front row with Violet and Mally. Yeah, they're right here. You make sure you see them afterwards. And they went to Aloha Faith Center, and that was really the fall before COVID hit. Everything's around COVID, right? Pre or post. I don't know. It's something like that. Um, and um, it was our pleasure to get to send them, which sent us on our search for Ilcian and Carlos. Um, and um, so th that was a second half of the gift um, for us. And then Lydia and Shepherd and Kyle, Shepherd Kaiser, they're right over here. Would you guys just wave so people, yeah, and you can catch them afterwards. Make sure you see them afterwards. Um, who left to start Dwell this last fall, along with. Um, Rick and Michelle Terletsky over here started Kingship this last fall. So two church plants in 2021, both in the fall, while we were still masked, and we'd only come back together for about four months. So I just want to say kudos, Evergreen, because I know that it's, it is a choice to do that. It's a choice to send your friends. It's a choice to see maybe your kids' best friends go. It's a choice to do that, but it's a choice to love. It's a choice for the kingdom and the advancement of God's kingdom, not our kingdom. And isn't that a great thing? So I just want to say, Evergreen, you have big faith because big faith is what it takes to send. And then number two, thank you for your labor prompted by love. And what labor am I talking about? Not delivering babies, though that is a lot of, a lot of work, but I'm talking about the labor of serving others. And this is an incredible volunteer-driven church. It really is. We've always said that, I mean, we've never had such a high proportion of volunteers, I think, as in Evergreen. Um, so for many years, it was right at 325, 350 people were, were regular volunteers at Evergreen. And right now, it's about 250. So that's post-COVID, and that's with the reforming of the church, many new volunteers in that number. So I want you to feel good about that. You have served people in so many ways. You've served our school district, schools that call us for help because we are on that list. Also, you've served uh, people in our community that you discover the needs to. And you are, and on any given weekend, there's 100 or more people serving in this building. But what's more exciting than that is in, in any given week, there's about 150 people serving out there out in the marketplace, and because that's what we want to do. And every week there's people here who are serving on landscape administration. They're entirely volunteer doing that. And so we have huge thanks for you. Your labor prompted by love. What that says about you, Evergreen, is that you love well because you serve so well. Thank you. And last but not least is thank you for your endurance that's been inspired by the hope that you carry. When we arrived 13 years ago, I don't know if you remember this, 2009, a recession had just kicked into gear. I was cleaning my office out this last week, going through some files, and I found the spreadsheets for the people who had no jobs that were looking for work that we were praying for. It was more, it was two pages long. And then we had the dates of when the prayers were answered over here, and we checked that box. So the date that we started praying, the date that God answered, and two pages of that. And why would I share that? Like, like that seems like, like a, maybe a bummer, but, you know, we sang about Jaira. We sang about God, our provider. And, you know, there might be more hard times ahead. There might be a recession ahead. That could happen. And I want you to remember, we've been there. 
Not only have we been there, God has been there. And God sees what's ahead. And look what he did for us during that time. We were able to continue send, sending people. We were able to continue reaching people, continue serving in the ways that we've talked about. So I just want you to see God's faithfulness across the years and know that that's the same God that has hold of our future and your future together. Um, and I also just want to say we have come through COVID, okay? Okay, you saw my little punch bag. I wanted to have that back up here today because we did a good job punching COVID, okay? But we have come through COVID. We have come through heat waves, historic heat waves. We have come through fires. Yes, we've come through having two baby churches at once. And all while coming back from shutdown and still being masked. We have had a true adventure together. And you know the definition of adventure, right? It is an unusual and exciting, typically hazardous activity or experience. Typically hazardous. Everything we're talking about today has hazards attached to it. That's the reality, friends, that we live in. But God has been so faithful. And we want you to know, friends, that we thank you for letting the God of hope fill you with peace and joy as you trusted in him through this 13 years, through thick and thin. Um, and we love you, and we appreciate you. Some of you asked me, some of you have asked me how I'm feeling, which is quite a tribute to you, because 13 years ago, you know I didn't feel anything. And uh, thank you for asking. And I'm happy to share with you today about that. Yeah. What I really feel is faith and hope and love. In fact, uh, I want you to know about uh, our next season and adventure. I feel faith, hope, and love. In fact, this last week, we reread a great book. It's called Younger Next Year. <laughs> now, those of you that are younger than us immediately thought, Old boomer denial. <laughs> You're right. You're absolutely right. But there's some good science in there and some really practical information. And I just want you to know that we reminded ourselves as younger next year because we're going to pick up the mantra of that book. It's younger next year. And it, it's um, that you're going to focus on your health in ways that maybe it actually, actually could even improve some things. Younger next year. I have faith. I have hope. I have love about her moving forward. And part of that confidence comes from we actually experimented living in the adventure van. Some of you know that. Uh, we wanted to, before we bought one, decide what do the two of us uh, feel about each other after living in 19 feet, six inches for a few days. You can only imagine, we like each other. Yeah. And we came home and lived in the same house. And so we want you to know we have faith, hope, and love. We've invested 44 years in this thing. We think we're going to have a next adventure moving forward. How do I feel about you? Faith, hope, and love. Uh, thank you for coming today, just participating. Just, just thank you, family and friends from across the years and evergreen graduates and boomerangers and council members and leaders and team members in this community. Just thank you. I want you to know that we feel wildly confident about the future. Chapter 32 is not only going to be great, it's going to be fresh and great. We are so at peace about the timing of this transition, faith, hope, and love. I wish I could, I wish I could hug each of you. I wish I could hug you and say, I love you, and your future is great. Faith, hope, and love. As we move toward a transition, I want you to know, Carlos and Ilsian, it is easy to feel faith about you. We, we believe in you. Mm -hmm. Our hope about you, you are more than ready. And God has good planned for you. We are just ready to start hearing yeah. the stories. And love, we love you so much. Faith, hope, and love. I want to leave you with a prayer and a blessing that for the first year of our time here at Evergreen, we closed every weekend service with. 
And at the end, the Apostle Paul says, Amen. And at the end, I'm going to ask you to join me as we say that together. Here's the prayer. I pray that out of his glorious riches, God may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all God's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now here's the blessing. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. 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 Thank you. We love you. So um, we wanted to do a little baton handout. They're going to be installed on July 10th. We invite all of you back to celebrate with them, uh, with Elsina and Carlos. But Jared and I wanted to hand a baton to them for chapter 32, which is going to be grand. Do you know that this is uh, one of the... This is the third oldest church in the denomination, and um, that God, the way he has done that is by refreshing it with fresh leadership, and so we believe that um, is going to happen through you um, and the people, the, the team around you, and um, we want you to know that we believe in you, and that um, from the time we met you in Los Angeles and took a walk back from having talked with you, we both turned to each other independently and said, we think they could be our successors. And um, we didn't tell you, of course, but um, that was just, it just dropped. It's like God dropped this gift in our heart. And we want to say thank you for saying yes to coming. Uh, even though COVID was uh, rearing its head then, but it wasn't in full form. So um, you took a risk to come and to a new community at that time. And we're just so grateful that you did and so excited about the future. And so um, with that chapter 32, I would have loved for it to be giant pens because, you know, but I figured, well, God's writing the story, but you're leading the ship. So we're passing the baton to both of you. Thank you. They don't know about this. I mean, okay, for us, this is all about you guys and them today. Even though it's a great blessing to us, we are so excited for the future. And we just want to pray for them, have a chance. We won't get to be here at the installation. And so um, if you'd extend your hands this way and let's pray together. Lord, you do everything well. It was said about you time after time, he does all things well. God, we read that Every good and perfect gift comes from you, the Father of lights, in whom there's no variation. Mm -hmm. Any way you turn it, the gift is good. And Lord, we, uh, Anne and I, Anne and I are so privileged and thrilled mm -hmm. to stand today with this man and this woman and, and acknowledge your good gifts. Mm -hmm. Lord, it's with... Uh, it's with thrilled hearts and it's with peace that we lay hands yes. on them and we commit to them whatever it is we have to commit yes. and we commit them most of all to the Holy Spirit who has called them as we believe, Lord, that you have called them, gifted them, anointed them, and that you are good gifts for us. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to get to lay hands on them today and with this congregation receive them in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Sorry, <laughs> I'm in the way. Thank you, Jared and Anne. Um, thank you for believing in us. And thank you for seeing us each with our individual gifts and our individual callings, yet 
called together to serve. So thank you um, for believing in women <laughs> pastors. <laughs> I appreciate that very much. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and thank you for me. Um, they know my history. They know my story. They asked me that question, what is your story? And I don't know if they were prepared to hear the rated R version of it, but it was, it was a lot in there. But um, you heard my story, and this place became a place of healing for me. And I needed that to continue to do what God's called me to do. So thank you for being a place of healing for me, for us. And thank you for receiving Charlie Joy so well into this community. Thank you. You've, you've uh, given us a gift, not only to us as, as young pastors, but I believe to the church. Um, an example of leaders who are in no way, shape, or form slowing down. You are still at your prime. And I think that many would not bat an eye if you decided to stay and pastor longer. But <laughs> I, might be, I might be changing their mind, so I might be careful up here. <clears throat> but you're giving us a gift in, in showing what it looks like to believe in the next generation of leaders. And it just made me think of a 4 by 4 relay race where those runners, those incredible athletes, they can continue to run at top speed and not hand off that baton. But in handing off a baton to another athlete, they know that they're going to have the most effective impact on that track. And here we are seeing that. We're believing that in God's sovereignty, he believes that these two uh, young Central American pastors <laughs> have work to do here in the kingdom. Uh, and you've seen that, and, and you're walking in faith. And so thank you for modeling that for you. And we have a gift for you. That is really for us. <laughs> so we want you to open it. Yeah. Yeah, that's so awesome. That's so awesome. Thank you. So <clears throat> for those of you in the room that have no idea what a boomerang or its significance, um, you have gifted every pastor you've sent out with the boomerang. And when they've come back, you've blessed them with the boomerang. And we wanted to give this to you because you have been so great at sending people out. We're sending you out, but with faith that you are coming back to be part of this community. And we, we just, our arms are open to receive you back. Thank you. As a matter of fact, we have them booked for all of July. They don't know that. <laughs> We'll be in Europe. <laughs> Next They'll be July. back here. <laughs> that is so fun. Oh, friends. So we are almost ready to send out our dear pastors, Jared and Ann. But before we do that, we have two more people that we want to invite to the stage. The first one, he's one of the uh, behind-the-door leaders, represents a team that has faithfully served uh, under Jared and Ann, and that's our council. And so we're going to invite Ben Farley to come and share as a representative yeah. of Evergreen Council. Good morning. Um, my name is Ben Farley, and I have been privileged to serve on Evergreen Council for the last four years. And uh, that experience has given me um, unique insights um, with Jared and Ann, and to see them behind closed doors. And so um, today I want to share uh, three things with you. The first are several observations, a story, and then a thank you. And so um, in my time on council, here, here's what I have observed. Um, number one, they are people of integrity. What you see is what you get no matter where you see them. On stage, in the lobby, when they're coming to your home to deliver a meal when you've just had a kid and you've slept for two hours out of the last 24, they are the same people no matter where you see them. Um, observation two, they are prepared for anything. Anything. I mean, you know what we just went through. I don't even want to say the word. The last couple of years have been strange. And, um, I mean, with their leadership, there, there are maybe urgencies. There might be things that are urgent, but there are never emergencies with Jared and Ann. Uh, number three, 
and this one is obvious anywhere you go, uh, they care deeply for their team, deeply for their team. Their team are their people, and in council, whenever there was a decision to be made about the team, it was with deep, deep thought, reflection, and prayer. Not one decision about the team went off as haphazard. It was all deeply intentional. Um, observation four, they care deeply for the church. Evergreen, they love us. They have loved us so well. They have, um, in any situation that's difficult or, again, do a lot of decision-making in council, apparently, because it's all about these decisions, it always comes back, no matter what, to refocus in on what is best for Evergreen, what is best for the people that we're serving. Observation five, you know them. They're generous. They're insanely generous. Again, delivering meals when you're sick or you have young kids or anything. They're always there for you, but they go above and beyond that. And we don't know, but we know you're up to something. They are the embodiment of Matthew 6.3, which says, when you give, make sure your left hand does not know what your right hand is doing. And we will never know all the things that they have done for Evergreen behind the scenes. Uh, observation six, they don't delegate the tough stuff. You might know those leaders who like to step back when there's something ugly coming around the corner. Well, it's not these guys. Jared and Ann, no matter what came up, they were always first in line to take it on the chin, whatever it might be. They never stood back and let someone else take that for them. And observation number seven, they're a great team. They're a wonderful, wonderful example of co-leadership. Um, if you ever need an example of two people with very different personality types <laughs> and very different skill sets, uh, this is the example you want to follow. So um, I want to share a story with you about something for me that really sums up their legacy. And um, in a recent council meeting, we were talking about their next adventure, one of those which is Route Digital, which is their legacy for the future. They're not done now. They're going to keep going. And they had been to a conference about digital churches. And Anne said to me, it was so exciting and energizing that it made her wish she could have a second life to do it all over again. And I thought at first, like, oh, wow, that's great. That's a really nice thing to say. And I'm a slow thinker, as they know, so I reflect on that more. And I thought, oh, my gosh, that's a big deal. How many of us would want to do it a second time? <laughs> I mean, through the ups and the downs, and it just, to me, the more I thought about it, the more impactful it became, and I just think about, you know, that's a heart for Jesus. I mean, someone who could say that they would want to do it all again is just a little overwhelming. So, anyways, it's also, um, it might be a lifelong metric for me to, to reflect back and think about if I'm, if I'm doing, doing life right, would I want to do it a second time? So, um, so lastly, just uh, individual thank you for you each. Um, and there could, be, there could be a million things. I could stand up here forever and thank you, but thank you for your authenticity. You are who you are, and I love that about you. It's dangerous sometimes, <laughs> yeah. but we love that you are who you are, and thank you for keeping it real. And for anyone who doesn't know Anne, uh, she is an amazing friend. Uh, she is not there for you. She is there with you. And again, no matter what you're going through, she's going through the mud. She's going through the trees. Whatever it is, the zip line, whatever, the crazy things you do, uh, she is there with you no matter what. And Jared, um, I'm not sure if everybody understands how deeply that you love them. You say that you don't or maybe 13 years ago, you didn't feel things, but you do, and we know that you do. And you love people in a different way. You love people with your research, with your planning, uh, with your integrity. Things go so smoothly around here because you have paved the way, and you have planned, and you've had foresight and vision, and worked towards those things so that we can experience something amazing. And um, Jared's special gift, a special thank you for the way that he brings clarity through his wisdom. If you haven't had a conversation with Jared where you're just spewing this information from your head that doesn't make any sense to you at all, he grabs that information, understands it better than you do, and then explains it back in a way that you can understand. It's an incredible gift, and we're just all so grateful for that. 
And uh, to close, just for you both from your counsel, just know how deeply we love you, how deeply we appreciate you, and just what a blessing and a privilege it's been uh, to be under your, your mentorship for these many years. I'm just so thankful for you. Thank you, Ben. And now um, we want to pray for you. And to do that, um, we've asked a, a few of you that have been asked to be part of this prayer moment to come up. And then we've asked Natalia to lead this prayer moment because she's been here as a middle school student and now she is serving as an assistant pastor. And so we wanted to give you this opportunity to pray for them. And we're going to ask you to participate by extending your hands in this moment. Father, we thank you for 13 incredible years with Jared and Ann. From the beginning when they came and they said yes, they said yes at a wild time and they knew that it meant putting things in their life on hold. They were saying yes to people that they had never even met yet. We are so grateful for that and for their 13 years of faithfulness and friendship and mentoring and advocating on our behalf, praying, being there for each of us, many of us, on incredible days and on really hard days. Jesus, as they step into this next season, they are, they are handing the baton and handing something that they love. And, and stepping away from something that you love is an incredible act of humility and kindness and generosity and faith, faith in what God is doing next. And so we thank you for that, God. And we just pray that this gift of faith that they have will be carried into Evergreen and carried into the next season of their life. And as they go on adventures and as they invest in digital churches through Sprout Digital and so many more, God, we just pray that you would bless them abundantly, that you provide for each of the passions and visions that you've put in their hearts. And we just thank you, Jesus. We are so very grateful. Amen.